Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, so we're into May. So I'm getting that, like, spring fever going into summer fever, going into uh, convention fever, Dan. But Mm -hmm. there's no convention going on anytime soon that is right oh i know it's so sad you know i it's funny because this year was a year that i wasn't planning to go to any conventions anyway because we had a wedding coming up later in the summer and we're saving money for that and stuff but that's all that's all another story that's kind of on hold now but i'm still feeling that i'm still feeling that lack of a convention it's it's really too bad yeah um so i want to ask you about star trek las vegas before i do that though welcome everyone to positively trek i'm bruce gibson that wonderful voice you heard is dan gunther hello hello i haven't heard anything since this recording that we're doing today which is may 10th happy mother's day i know it's belated by the time you guys listen to this but you know for our mothers we decided to record a podcast <laughs> that's how we're deciding to spend our day we're we're, we're great sons <laughs> exactly i just got off the phone with my mom she's like when we're we gonna see you because i'm gonna go sit on their driveway because we can't be near them with the COVID-19 stuff i said after i'm done this podcast with dan star trek las vegas i haven't heard anything of it being canceled as far as i know it's still going on have you heard anything different because i've been kind of out of the loop lately yeah they sent an email that to me seemed a little tone deaf like kind of not acknowledging anything was going on saying like oh we're announcing new guests here's these tickets on sale now uh and then they sent another one shortly thereafter kind of saying they're doing a, a wait and see and they're keeping an eye on the situation basically that was, I feel like a couple of weeks ago now. I haven't heard anything since then directly about that convention, though. Okay, I was wondering. I saw the thing that you're saying about where they're like, as you know, we're keeping an eye on things, but right now it's still on. So I just saw some chatter the other day where people were talking as if it was canceled, but I hadn't heard anything. So I don't think it has been as of this recording. But, you know, on this show, we're going to talk about the origins of the Borg. But before we do that, I want to talk about the collective of these conventions being virtual. <laughs> see how mm-hmm. I see my little segue, the collective of conventions. Oh, oh yeah, you I see, see that, how that yeah. works. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> lame, but uh, <laughs> not but, at all. <laughs> but Dan, you were telling me before the show, there are now virtual conventions that Comic-Con in San Diego, they've announced they're going to do something virtual. Yeah. Now they kind of released a cryptic Twitter, not cryptic, I guess, but you know, a a Twitter video basically saying like, stay tuned, keep an eye on this space, San Diego Comic-Con online coming soon kind of thing. So it looks like they are going to be doing a virtual convention of some kind, the details of which have not been released as of this recording. Uh, Maybe in a couple of days when this episode goes out, you all might know more than we do, but it looks like they're kind of following a pattern that we're seeing a lot of lately with these kind of online convention announcements. You know, the great thing about conventions is being around other people and meeting other people. 
But I wouldn't mind there being more online conventions because outside of just conventions, you know, people are doing a lot of Zoom or Hangouts, Google Meets, whatever, Skypes, you know, get-togethers online. And I even saw something last night of our good friend Bill Smith over at the Trek Geeks. Uh, he was doing something where he was interviewing uh, two people that are selling tribbles that would be at STLV. It was almost like a, uh, like a mini convention because you could buy their tribbles and they were talking about the tribbles and, it's, and they look like they were in a booth, like you would see at a convention. Oh, that's and cool. It, yeah. And I was like, you know, we can do more of that kind of stuff online now. It's like, it's incredible that you can have a convention really all year long and then, you know, periodically go physically to something so you can be around other people. But, you know, we can all meet online through these different events. Yeah. And I mean, even in a year where something like this isn't happening, it does, it kind of makes it a bit of an equalizer. This ironically might be the first year that I attend San Diego Comic-Con because it's online. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Same here. I've never been to that one. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep our eyes open. Of course, like you said, you're not going to Star Trek Las Vegas this year anyway. So that wasn't the plans. I'm kind of 50-50 about going right now i'm so itching to go because i haven't gone anywhere <laughs> i've just been stuck at home <laughs> and even in my job i travel a lot and i haven't been traveling so i'm not used to being home all the time i'm used to being in new york or la or anywhere in between and i haven't been anywhere in a couple months which is really strange for me so I do see online that there are a lot of fans who are saying, like, even if it does go ahead, even if they do go ahead with it, there are a lot of fans saying that they would rather not go this year just because of, you know, the the possible risks and that sort of thing. And I, I definitely can't blame somebody for feeling that way. But I also can't blame someone for feeling the way you do that, like, you know, it's been a while. You want to get out. You want to do these things. So, you know, hopefully there's be some kind of precautions taken. I can't imagine it will be 100% safe by the time the time for the convention rolls around. But hopefully something can be managed there. You know, maybe I would change my mind. But as of right now, I would go. I would not be. I'd be like, ah, psh, fine, I'll wear a mask on the plane. What? No, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> but once we get there, if things are still kind of like this, maybe I would be like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. Because like you're saying, even people attending are saying like they don't feel comfortable going, but the people that are behind the scenes, the people, who, uh, the, the workers, the volunteers, the celebrities, the different guests, a lot of them would probably pull out. So it probably would be a mini STLV, but still, mm -hmm. even if it's a mini one, I'd be fine with that because I'm fine with the mini bar in my hotel room as opposed to the bar downstairs. They both have, you know, what I need from it. So a mini STLV has what I need in it too. So there you go. <laughs> Well, know. if uh, if it goes ahead as planned, have fun. <laughs> Take lots of pictures for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. A couple of other things that have come up in news before we talk about the Borg. Uh, let's see here, Dan. There's one thing I wanted to mention. I haven't told you about this. I'm sure you saw this, but CBS All Access here in the States is, of course, the service that does Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. And I work in the TV industry. So when I saw in the trades that CBS All Access is planning to rebrand and change their name, but they haven't announced what that's going to be yet, I was so thrilled because when they launched that name, I was like, there's no way 
no way they're going to stick with CB All Access is the name for a long. I was just thought it was the <laughs> dumbest name. I get why they did it, but I thought over time they're going to want to beef that content up and do more with it. And CBS All Access to me is just a lame name. So uh, they're going to add more content from the Viacom CBS properties into it. So it won't be just all CBS stuff, which I think is a great move. And they also own Pluto TV, which they might integrate some of that into it. I don't know what the name's going to be, but I, th- I hope it's a really cool name, something better than CBS All Access. Yeah, agreed. I did see a little bit of talk about this story. And apparently, even before the rebranding goes ahead, there are they are already going to be adding some stuff from the Paramount Library, most notably for our interests, a few more of the Star Trek films which is kind of cool that apparently they didn't have before. I'm in Canada, so I don't see CBS All Access. I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't have the Star Trek films. But I guess with that that rights split between the films and the episodes before the merger, that does make sense. I hadn't thought of that. Didn't they recently launch a CBS All Access in Canada, but it's not the full one like we have in the United States? Right. Yeah, they do have CBS All Access here. I haven't really looked into it again just because Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard are both uh, the rights for those have been awarded to other companies here in Canada, which I have. So I don't I hadn't had really any interest in looking at their library. Sorry, CBS, uh, other than Star Trek. So uh, I don't know much about the service here other than that. Yeah, it does exist in some form. I really wish there was a service and maybe the CBS All Access service will have all of the Star Trek movies on. I would love that because I don't own most of the Star Trek movies digitally. They're Mm. they're either Blu-ray or DVD. And I'm now in the habit of not putting in discs i'm just so used to just turn the tv on and go to a streaming service and watching something and i've got some of the star trek movies that way but not all of them so i don't get to watch them as often because i don't want to let me go get the voyage home off the shelf and pop the disc in and wait for it to load i just move on to something else i so want all the movies available it's funny how we've gotten because we do the live show on Fridays and the last Friday we did chain of command part one and two, the TNG episodes, me and Brandy. And I have this star Trek, the next generation season six Blu-ray on my shelf next to the Blu-ray player beside my TV. But sitting on the couch, I just grabbed the remote, clicked over to Netflix and hit play. Like it's just, it's so much easier. And when they're available that way, it's, it's so much more accessible. So yeah, I definitely get that. That's how it is with the animated series. Last fall, I did a rewatch of the entire series, all 13 episodes, but I have the DVD set, but I never took that out. I just watched it on Netflix. And I mean, I started when I bought the DVD set years ago, I started watching them, but I didn't finish going through all of them. But now I was like, no, I'm determined to watch all, do it all of them now through a binge watch. But I never brought brought those out. I just went to Netflix because it was just easier. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the convenience. We're creatures of convenience for sure. <laughs> exactly. Even when I eat breakfast, I go to YouTube and I just randomly pick videos. That's when I watch my YouTube stuff is over breakfast. I don't turn the TV on. I don't load discs in or anything. For some reason, I do a YouTube breakfast. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but hey. On YouTube, there's something new that I haven't really watched much of, Dan, because you were just telling me about Ryan's edits. Yes. And now that's kind of something that the Blu-rays are good for. So the Star Trek The Next Generation, 
all seven seasons or most of them have a blooper reel on them. And this guy, it's so cool. What he's done is I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen these floating around where this guy will take a blooper and re-edit it back into the episode that it's from. And on YouTube has a short clip from that episode with that blooper edited back in. So uh, they're called the uh, Star Trek intakes, he calls them, instead of outtakes, which is clever. And like these are hilarious. I was just showing you one before we started recording, my absolute favorite one uh, from All Good Things. And I won't ruin it, but yeah, definitely search Ryan's edits on YouTube. And uh, all he has on his channel lately are those Star Trek intakes. And they're so good. Star Trek intakes number five, if you want to see the best one, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the one you're just pointing me to. I saw the first one when it came out, but I hadn't seen these other ones that followed it. So I'm going to watch those as soon as we're done. But it is good because it looks like it's just the actual scene from TNG and you're not expecting anything. And then all of a sudden there's this like weird thing that happens with one of the actors. And we're like, wait, 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 what, what, what just happened? And it's hilarious (laughs) when that, why, why hasn't this been done sooner? That's what I was thinking too. When I first saw these, (laughs) it's brilliant. And I'm like, why haven't I thought of it? See, that's the thing. I'm like, okay, what? What is so obvious that we haven't done yet that somebody's going to do? We need to think of that next thing, Dan. We've got to come up with something. Definitely. Yeah. Because as soon as you see this, you think to yourself, why didn't I think of this? Like you said, because it's so brilliant and it makes such perfect sense. And there's so many just great moments to put back in an episode. And, you know, if you really want, you can watch this as your new quote unquote head cannon. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what really happens. Yeah. Maybe I'll come up with some other edit. I'll take some clips of something else and just assimilate them together. Hey, speaking of assimilation. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> King of uh, segues over here. <laughs> Wait, do I hear crickets? Any, um, <laughs> So one of the things we talked about last week were things that are unanswered in Star Trek, things that we've wondered about. And last week we were talking about Future Guy on Enterprise. Like we never got the reveal of who Future Guy was. And so we discussed that. We also haven't really received any information of who are the Borg. I mean, we know who the Borg are, but where are their origins? How did they start up? Like, wh- what's the deal with the Borg? I feel like Jerry Seinfeld right now. What's the deal with the Borg? Uh, what? <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things that, like, every time there's a plot point in modern Star Trek that has to do with artificial intelligence or, you know, robotic life forms or something, everyone goes, ah, ah. Ah, they're doing the origin of the Borg. It's going to be the origin of the Borg. I mean, you know, the origin of the Borg in season two of Discovery was control. And then in season one of Picard, it was it was the the Romulans created the Borg somehow or something. There was all these theories floating around. So I feel like it's something that people really want. They really like think like, oh, this is it. This is going to be explaining the Borg. Well, we know the Borg are based or originate from the Delta Quadrant. So that tells us a little something there. But I also like to think, wouldn't it be interesting if somehow humans of Earth in the future created the Borg and somehow that reversed back into the past? And so the very creatures or the very technology 
that humans create in the future has come back to haunt us in our past, coming from the Delta Quadrant, something like that. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I feel like... I feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, the humans just have to be at the center of everything. <laughs> well, that's true, right? <laughs> but I mean, Star Trek is a story about the human condition. The human adventure uh, is just beginning, right? Well, that was the tagline at the end of Star Trek, the motion picture. That's what Star Trek ultimately is about. So I feel like that would be a very Star Trek move to do that kind of story. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the motion picture because I knew this would come up eventually anyway, because there's been theories that V'ger came from the Borg home planet or home system or whatever, because it was integrated with this technology to seek and get more answers. That's what its mission was, but it had been assimilated in a sense with all this other technology. And so a lot of people wonder if V'ger had visited the Borg planet. We, as a matter of fact, we got that in one of the novels by William Shatner that's what happened yeah this has been a a popular fan theory that's kind of made its way around a couple problems with it i think uh you know obviously they weren't meant to be linked together but there are some interesting connections and you know spock says that in that repository he sees a machine planet populated by machines who you know repaired v'ger and stuff the thing about this though is that the Borg meld organic and inorganic technology and definitely see organic beings as life forms to be exploited, whereas V'ger didn't even recognize carbon-based units as true life forms. Mm. And the implication is the planet that he found was completely 100% machines and not this melding of, of machines and you know, organic life forms. But if you can kind of get past that little fundamental thing, it's definitely an interesting theory and, and kind of something that does link a couple disparate things in Star Trek history. I never thought about this till now, but, and here, here's the problem that I have with Star Trek sometimes in my mind. Sometimes I can't remember if it was in an episode or if it was uh, in a novel, <laughs> you know, I mix them up. I think this was in an episode, but was later used in novels, but it was in Star Trek Enterprise, those space stations that were totally automated that yeah. could repair ships. That was an episode that then worked into the novels too, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's from the second season episode, Dead Stop. And that was after the Enterprise was damaged in the Romulan minefield. They came across this automated self-repair station that you know, traded basically some warp plasma for all these repairs, but also was a little more sinister in that they stole Travis Mayweather as well to yeah. use as part of their computer system. Okay. So it wasn't in a novel. I was thinking, I think it was an episode, but maybe I read it. <laughs> anyway, that's something also I never thought of until we were talking, because you were saying about a planet that's all machines. And I'm thinking, well, there could have been something similar to those space stations that Vija runs into and this automated space station enhances it, repairs it to this point that then Vija goes on and just keeps, I don't want, I know I'm using assimilated. I don't mean that to be funny in this case, but it's assimilating itself as it journeys through space and collects even more machine parts and keeps enhancing itself. That's interesting. Like I never thought of connecting those two. But they are much more connectable, I think, than V'ger and the Borg. That's really fascinating. And I'd never thought of that. That's really cool. So Christopher L. Bennett, if you are listening to this, yes, you can use that for one of your novels. 
<laughs> Only because he's done the Enterprise ones, and I think he did use those space stations once in one of his books. Yeah, they were called the Ware in his yes, books. The yeah. Ware. And very great novels, the Enterprise Rise of the Federation novels by Christopher L. Bennett. Highly recommended. See, you remember all the details. I don't. <laughs> I can get us there, but then you fill in all those blanks. I'm like Mad Libs, you know? I've got all these blanks, <laughs> and then you just fill them in. <laughs> and I'm the I'm the dirty adjectives that fill those spaces <laughs> in. <laughs> yes, you are. I'd like to listen to that episode. Hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, the I've always been okay with the whole uh, V'ger visiting the Borg planet. That, that's that been fine with me. I, I, but I definitely see your point. I, it's like, it, it gets back to even what you were saying before. It's like what I said about humans creating the Borg. It gets back to the, yeah, humans created the Borg and V'ger visited the Borg. Like, everything's connected. The universe would feel bigger if all those things weren't connected, right? Mm, yeah. I, I understand the tendency to link them all, though. It is kind of fun to do Star Trek Connect the Dots. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Does it bother you that we don't know the origins of the Borg? Actually, I would say kind of the contrary. I kind of appreciate that we don't know their origins. And I feel like any ultimate reveal in canon of the Borg's origins would disappoint me. Maybe, maybe not. Like maybe a writer could come up with something that was really amazing that would blow my socks off. But at the same time, I love the mystery. I love that there's just this implacable foe, this this force of nature out there that we don't know where it came from, you know, but it's just this huge threat that is ultimately impossible to deal with. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I was thinking about that before the show and I was like, do I really care? Do I want to know the origin of the Borg? And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind it, but I don't really want it. Like when we were talking about Future Guy, I'd more I'd rather find out who the identity of Future Guy is than to find out the origin of the Borg. Because the Borg we already know, it's like, okay, it was a machine planet. You know, it's obviously some advanced race had developed a technology of AIs or something to that effect that evolved on their own and then they enhance themselves and they continue enhance to the point that now they're Borg. And then, I mean, to me, I feel like we kind of already know what it happened, but we don't necessarily need to know all the details. Although like you're saying, if somebody really got in there, wrote a really compelling story to that, that would be really fascinating. But to me at this point, because of the pedestal the Borg are on, it would have to be something really, really good. Mm-hmm. Well, I have good news. <laughs> oh, I, I want to know this. I would like to introduce you to a little author called David Mack, who, you know, not in canon, but I think did a pretty darn good introduction to the origin of the Borg. And it does kind of do what you were saying with the whole human connection as well. And I will have to say that those books by David Mack, the Destiny Trilogy, is in my headcanon, which I don't like saying headcanon, but I am saying it here. But I mean, in my mind, that that is the origin of the Borg, in my mind. I, I don't really separate it out, but I do know that that is not necessarily something that a show has to commit themselves to. We could find out a totally different answer in a, in a series if they wanted to tackle that. But um, just spoiler alert that if you haven't read Destiny and you don't want to be spoiled, that maybe you tune out at this point. That origin story with the Kaliar, 
is quite interesting because it's not so much a story about the Borg. It's more about the Kaliar and how they, a section of the Kaliar and some Makos from the Columbia that you see in Star Trek Enterprise get propelled back into the past and are stranded on a planet. They're dying. Some of them are dying, but one of the Kaliar decides like, you know, it has to keep itself alive. And so it's finding ways of using machine parts and the souls of these, of these two Mako officers to try to extend its life. So it's preserving itself, which then fast forward over time, that technology and that efforts that are done by this one Kaliar start to become the Borg. And this kind of leads into another one of my reasons for not wanting to see a canon explanation for the origin of the Borg, because I loved this in Star Trek Destiny. I thought it was really well written. It served that particular story very, very well. And if they were going to introduce a canon origin of the Borg, I'd want it to be this. And I know they won't do that. Like, I know they won't ever just directly adapt that story into canon Star Trek. So I'd rather they just leave it alone. And then this can kind of sit as my personal, again, in quote marks, head canon for the origin of the Borg, because this story is incredible and it works really well. And I know this kind of flies in the face of what I was saying that like, I don't want uh, an origin of the Borg and I definitely don't want it to be because of humans. This story breaks both of those rules, but it does it so brilliantly that I just love it. And I just wonder, and I can, I, cause I feel the same way you do, but I just wonder if we did get something on screen that is canon, that is totally different from this story, how you can really look at the story in universe as a possible outcome of the origin of the Borg. And what I mean by that is there's times I read something in a novel and then something on screen contradicts it. And I just think, oh, well, maybe this novel takes place in a different timeline or different universe. But if the origin of the Borg is totally different, I can't imagine one universe, the Borg are created one way and in another universe, a totally different way. And the outcome is the same. That just wouldn't work to me. And you know, and I also think about how in Discovery, they came up with the concept of control. They used number one's name, Una, from the novels. They they kind of stayed close to some things that were created in the novels. That I kind of wonder if they would, if they did some origin story on the Borg, if they would try to keep somewhat close to what David Mack had created. It's possible. I mean, you know, the the Star Trek novels tend to be ignored generally in Star Trek history, except for some of those recent examples you've been saying. But the Destiny trilogy is extremely highly regarded. So it's possible that I think, A, if they do ever do a an origin of the Borg, it might be something similar to that taking inspiration from Destiny. Or B, it might be something they stay away from completely out of respect for that story, maybe. Another thought I had is, you know, when you were saying about how the Borg, if, you know, it would be hard to rationalize them coming about in two totally separate ways, I almost wonder if that could be an interesting way to look at it. Like, the Borg are inevitable 
like something will lead to the creation of something like this. It's inevitable in any universe and it could happen in very different ways. But in the end, you will always have this cybernetic horde of zombie monsters that threaten the Federation. It's just an inevitability of kind of like how evolution has um, convergent evolution. So two evolutionary forms can arise on different continents, very similar to each other, but from through completely different evolutionary processes. It's like the Borg will always happen no matter what. That's kind of terrifying. I love it. I love that you said that because that kind of works out in my mind that if we did get something that contradicted destiny, we could always assume that whatever the origin of the Borg is in a canon situation on screen, that in Destiny, what happened in that book actually merged with what the origin of the Borg were and just became a component of that. And in the Destiny trilogy, it's like these two components that created this origin of the Borg have merged. But in the canon universe we're watching, it just came from that one point. But then I don't remember from this novel, uh, in the one Destiny novel, I think it was book three, when we really came to find out this origin. It was said in what was the name of the Kaliar that was the one that basically created this Borg thing. But didn't this being use components that were found on a ship, some technology on an alien ship that was on the planet or, or a base or something? I can't remember exactly what it was they used from technology. I feel like they were using parts from something. Do you remember? Yeah, I, th- I think from the Kaliar city and stuff, I think was, I might be misremembering that, but yeah, it was basically, he was merging this Mako with, with technology to kind of sustain both of them kind of thing. Mostly to sustain itself though. <laughs> because all, we could also maybe assume that this technology was planted by the Borg in some way. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just kind of going off and like, <laughs> maybe there's a bigger connection before that, that leads to this plan. Maybe that was planted there. Maybe it was planned. Like you're saying, there's a certain destiny. There's something pre-planned in the universe to happen. But the other thought I had as we're talking through this is when we watch the end of Star Trek Picard and we see those tentacles coming out of that rift. Mm-hmm. What if that is in some other realm where the Borg actually started, even though we know the Borg came from the Delta Quadrant, maybe they come from that other dimension. Maybe that machine planet of whatever it is that created the Borg, that is the creator (laughs) in a sense that is coming through that thing. Because when you look at that planet in Star Trek Picard, where the Borg cube crashed, it would make sense that there's a connection now between the uh, cybernetics and and the Borg on the planet and what's trying to come through that rift. It does kind of make sense given that these AI from, you know, this other realm or whatever, they say that they're concerned with, you know, synthetic life and artificial intelligence. And that's what the Borg are. It's, it's a huge collective consciousness, this artificial intelligence that's networked across you know, many different parts of space and cubes and beings and stuff. It makes sense that they would be concerned with that or, you know, have some sort of interest in that. So yeah, maybe they could be, it could be an offshoot or origin branch of them or something like that. Could be. 
what I'm wondering is what plot point in season three of Discovery or season two of Picard will have everyone screaming, this is it. It's the origin of the Borg. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you mentioned Discovery. We haven't seen season three yet, but will we find out if the Borg still exist? That's an interesting question. I'm curious about that as well. I have a feeling they're going to address that in some manner. It's going to be brought up. I, I've I've got to imagine, you know, there's going to be some study of the history, you know, to find out what happened between when they left and when they appeared in the, you know, what is it, 31st or 32nd century, you know, what happened in that time period. And I've got to imagine any history that Burnham or anybody on the crew is studying is going to have a mention of the Borg. Like, even if it's just a throwaway line, for example, in the Enterprise episode Shockwave, when Archer and Daniels are in the library in the 31st century, and Archer pulls off pulls a book off the shelf and says, the Romulan Star Empire. And Daniels yeah. is like, ah, maybe you should, shouldn't look at that. Here, <laughs> give that to me. You know, even just a little throwaway like that would be would be interesting. Yeah. Just a little seed of something just to give us something to, to think about. <laughs> uh, wow. Now I'm really excited about season three of discover. I mean, I already was, but now that we're talking about, it, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. I still want to know when we're getting this. Yeah. Here, here. Is there anything else you want to talk about the Borg and their origins? I think that pretty much covered it. Um, I'm curious what maybe our listeners would think of the origin of the Borg though, if they have theories or, if they violently disagree with our assessment of motion picture theories and stuff like that or, or what. Yeah. And I like that they're theories too. I, I don't want to get the exact answer as to V'ger or the Borg necessarily. I almost want it to remain mis- a mystery at all times. Maybe we get a little bit of information here and there, but it never is a, a thorough encyclopedia or history book of here's the origin of the Borg, read it, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Because like we wouldn't have this episode, for example, it would just be, oh, the Borg came from this planet and was created by these people in this year. And that's what happened. Be like, oh, okay. Well, you know, why would we waste half an hour talking about it? then? (laughs) So I'm glad we got to talk about this and, and try and have our, you know, little fun discussion about it. Yeah, and that just reminds me of the episode of Literary Treks that we had come out this week where uh, we have Alan Dean Foster on talking about his Kelvin Timeline novel, The Unsettling Stars. And uh, at some point in the conversation, we talk about perfection. And he said, you know, if everything were perfect, then every Star Trek novel would be perfect and you guys would have nothing to discuss. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be like if they answered every question that we ever had about Star Trek, what would we talk about? But if you want to listen to that episode of Literary Treks, it's episode number 302 called What If AI Becomes Mommy? Yeah. Speaking of AI, we were just talking about that. So, well... You know, everyone join us again next week. Thank you for joining us here on the show. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. You can find the show on Twitter at Positively Trek. And we also have an email account at Positively Trek at gmail.com. And Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions, making videos about Star Trek. And on Facebook, find the Positively Trek discussion group as well. Just search Positively Trek on Facebook. It's a small group. 
but it's growing and the stuff that people are posting on there is always great stuff. I really love the little community we have going there. So please click join and we will let you in. You know, I've heard podcasts where people say like, oh, you know what? We have the best listeners. We really do. We have the best listeners. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I feel now Mm -hmm. about this show. It's like I look in that (laughs) Facebook group and everybody's posting this stuff that's really great. I'm like, this is the these are the best listeners. This is like the best Facebook group. I love it. <laughs> yep, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> wow. I guess we all have something in common. We're all like, we don't want to become too popular because then you get all these other crazy people involved and you're like, ah, screw it. Let's just keep it to us cool people, you know? I kind of feel the same way. Absolutely. <laughs> the positive people, right? The positive Star Trek fans. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope you join us again next week. So uh, stay safe and stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.